welcome home to the best scary stories for Halloween. I am your host, Lancelot Chaubert. Um, on pretty much every one of these podcasts, um, the readings that I do are cold readings. You know, there was a there was a review not too long ago that said it was terrible. It sounds like I'm reading them for the first time. Yeah, that's the point. Um, if you're paying attention, what what I'm doing is actually reading books that we've never uh, in stories and myths and legends that I have never encountered before. And uh, the reason I want to do that is I want to, I want to catch my emotional reaction to it for the first time. But I also, I think there's something magical about someone not rehearsing uh, a reading and, and coming to a text cold um, and interacting with it. Uh, so just a reminder, um, if someone wants to you know, leave a review. You might mention that. Hey, yeah, these are actually cold readings. So that's kind of the, the gist of that um, on iTunes or wherever else uh, you're rating things. But we're we're going to be delving into um, Frankenstein or Frankenstein, um, the modern Prometheus by Mary Shelley, uh, because it's the 200 year anniversary of Frankenstein, and. Thought it'd be nice to give this a try. I've never read it before, so I'm going to read it cold with uh, letter one today to Miss Saville, England, St. Petersburg, December 11th, 17. You will rejoice to hear that no disaster has accompanied the commencement of an enterprise which you have regarded with such evil forebodings. I arrived here yesterday, and my first task is to assure my dear sister of my welfare and increasing confidence in the success of my undertaking. I'm already far north of London, and as I walk in the streets of Petersburg, I feel a cold northern breeze play upon my cheeks, which braces my nerves and fills me with delight. Do you understand this feeling? This breeze, which has traveled from the regions toward where, uh, toward which I am advancing, gives me a foretaste of those icy climes. Inspirited by this wind of promise, my daydreams become more fervent and vivid. I try in vain to be persuaded that the pole is the seat of frost and desolation. It ever presents itself to my imagination as the region of beauty and delight. There, Margaret, the sun is forever visible, its broad disk just skirting the horizon and diffusing a perpetual splendor. There, for with your leave, my sister, I will put some trust in preceding navigators. There, snow and frost are banished, and sailing over the calm sea, we may be wafted to a land surpassing in wonders and in beauty every region hitherto discovered on the habitable globe. Its productions and features may be without example, as the phenomena of heavenly bodies undoubtedly are in those undiscovered solitudes. What may not uh, be expected in a country of eternal light? I may there discover the wondrous power which attracts the needle, and may regulate a thousand celestial observations that require only this voyage to render their seeming eccentricities consistent forever. I shall satiate my ardent curiosity with a sight of a part of the world never before visited, and may tread a land never before imprinted by the foot of man. These are my enticements, and they are sufficient to conquer all fear of danger or death and to induce me to commence this laborious voyage with the joy a child feels when he embarks in a little boat with his holiday mates on an expedition of discovery up his native river. But supposing all these conjectures to be false, you cannot contest the inestimable, inestimable benefit which I shall confer on all my mankind to the last generation by discovering a passage near the pole to these countries to reach which at present so many mouths are requisite or by ascertaining the secret of the magnet which, if all, at all possible, can only be effected by an undertaking 
such as mine. These reflections have dispelled the agitation with which I began my letter, and I feel my heart glow with an enthusiasm which elevates me to heaven, for nothing uh, contributes so much to tranquilize the mind as a steady purpose, a point on which the soul may fix its intellectual eye. This expedition has been the favorite dream of my early years. I have read with ardor the accounts of the various voyages which have been made and the prospect of arriving in the North Pacific Ocean through the seas which surround the Pole. You may remember that a history of all the voyages made for the purposes of discovery composed the whole of our good Uncle Thomas's library. My education was neglected, yet I was passionately fond of reading. These volumes were my study. Day and night, my familiarity with them increased that regret which I had felt as a child on learning that my father's dying injunction had forbidden my uncle to allow me to embark in a seafaring life. These visions faded when I perused for the first time those poets whose effusions entranced my soul and lifted it to heaven. I also became a poet. And for one year... Sorry, it's late here. <laughs> and for one year lived in a paradise of my own creation. I imagined that I also might obtain a niche in the temple where the names of Homer and Shakespeare are consecrated. You are well acquainted with my failure and how heavily I bore the disappointment, but just at that time I inherited the fortune of my cousin and, th and my thoughts were turned into the channel of their earlier bent. Six years have passed since I resolved on my present undertaking. I can even now remember the hour from which I dedicated myself to this great enterprise. I commenced by inuring my body to hardship I accompanied the whale fishers on several expeditions to the North Sea. I voluntarily endured cold famine, thirst, and want of sleep. I often worked harder than the common sailors during the day and devoted my nights to study of mathematics, theory of medicine, and those branches of the physical science from which a naval adventurer might derive the greatest practical advantage. Twice I actually hired myself as an undermaid and a Greenland whaler and acquitted myself to admiration. I must own I felt a little proud when my captain offered me the second dignity in the vessel and entreated me to remain with the greatest earnestness. So valuable did he consider my services. And now, dear Margaret, do I not deserve to accomplish some great purpose? My life must have been passed in ease and luxury, but I preferred glory to every enticement that wealth placed in my path. Oh, that some encouraging voice would answer in the affirmative. My courage and my resolution is firm, but my hopes fluctuate and my spirits are often depressed. I am about to proceed on a long and difficult voyage, the emergencies of which will demand all my fortitude. I am required not only to raise the spirits of others, but sometimes to sustain my own when theirs are failing. This is the most favorable period for traveling in Russia. They fly quickly over the snow in their sledges. The motion is pleasant, and in my opinion far more agreeable than that of an English stagecoach. The cold is not excessive. If you are wrapped in furs, a dress which I have already adopted, for there is a great difference between walking the deck and remaining seated motionless for hours when no exercise prevents the blood from actually freezing in your veins. I have no ambition to lose my life on the post road between St. Petersburg and Archangel. I shall depart for the latter town in a fortnight or three weeks, and my intention is to hire a ship there which can easily be done by paying the insurance for the owner and to engage as many sailors as I think necessary among those who are accustomed to whale fishing. I do not intend to sail until the month of June, and when shall I return? Ah, dear sister, how can I answer that question? If I succeed, many, many months, perhaps years, will pass before you and I may meet. If I fail, you will see me again soon, or never. Farewell, my dear, 
Excellent, Margaret. Heaven shower down blessings on you and save me, that I may again and again testify my gratitude for all your love and kindness. Your affectionate brother, R. Walton. This has been the uh, best scary stories for Halloween. I am your host, Lancelot Chaubert. I'm over at lancelot.nyc or at lancechaubert.org. I wanted to let you guys know the music from all of these podcasts comes from a forthcoming al album, All Who Wonder, and finally, you can get uh, a sample of it over at Noise Trade. Uh, the sample is called Five Murders. It's a perfect folksy uh, supplement to your uh, kind of Halloween festivities. So pick up a copy of that, and I'll see what the next letter beholds in Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. 